Good morning. You may be seated. Well, good morning again and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Uh huh. A few Anglicans, a couple of Anglicans in the room. Very good. Today is the first day of our new year on the church calendar. It is the first day of Advent. Author Kathleen Norris writes this, I've learned how much the Advent season holds, how it breaks into our lives with images of light and dark, first and last things, watchfulness and longing, origin and destiny. Notice this week how often you hear in conversation or read in emails, texts, and on social media how busy this time of year is. Just take a note. Catch how often you say to someone else, we'll have to get together after the holidays. Or let's plan something for the new year. Or maybe we can get together after Christmas. Look at your calendars for the month of December. Are they full yet? Probably. Notice how often you hear or read the phrase, only 24 days until Christmas. Spoken or printed to motivate us to be busy, to do, to move. There's a tension for Advent. And most often we feel the tension in our daily schedules and calendars. There is so much to do. But in Advent, we are invited to consider time on a much grander scale. In Advent... We are invited, it's a gift, to consider time on a much grander scale. And we consider it in three movements. The first movement that we will consider, the first grand scale of time, is the first coming of Emmanuel, God with us. This is the time of Jesus breaking into history as a baby. To quote the message translation of John 1.14, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. <laughs> we consider the past time of Jesus' arrival. It is indeed the first advent. That's the first grand movement that we consider in this month. The second coming of Emmanuel is the second moving. We look ahead to when Jesus will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, to set up his reign on earth. The fancy Greek word we use is telos. It simply means the end, but it's really not the full translation. That's how you would say at the end. But what it means, its use in scripture, is it will be the end and the way things God always intended things to be. Jesus will come again to set up his rule and reign. This is the second advent, and we consider it during this time of month. That is why when you're in the scriptures and you start to read words about the sky turning dark and things falling to earth, it doesn't sound very Christmassy. Well, it's not talking about the first Christmas. It's talking about the second advent. God, Emmanuel, coming back to reign, to set up his kingdom to rule. So we consider the first coming of Emmanuel, God with us. We consider the second coming of Emmanuel, God with us again. But we consider something else. And this is where the tension lies. We consider the intermediate time between those two advents, the time we're sitting in literally 
right here, right now. This is the third grand scale that we have to consider during Advent. This is the time, this intermediate time, where Jesus is actively changing our hearts and minds to be his agents for both of the other Advents. Can you hear me say that again? It is in this intermediate time that Jesus is changing the hearts and minds of God's people to be his agents for both of the other Advents. To look back and say, God is with us. Emmanuel is here. And as Laura said earlier, he came to die for your sins, to redeem you. And he's coming again. There's hope for his rule and reign. This is the intermediate time. We are being prepared. The people of God as his agents now, right here, to be his messengers for the Advents. These are the three grand scales that we look at. Notice how they're represented in our scripture passages today. Isaiah 2 invites us to remember the first Advent and to look at the second Advent. He uses this simple phrase in verse 2, it shall come to pass in latter days. Isaiah writing before Jesus ever came is asking the people to look for the first Advent. And now those of us who read it in this intermediate time, we know that he's saying both. We have seen the first advent. We know Messiah is here. He has broken into history and changed everything. But things are still not the way they're going to ultimately be. And so Isaiah invites us to look at both the first and the second as we stand here. Our gospel passage simply says this, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Jesus is encouraging us to look for the second advent. It is coming. We don't know when. Only he knows. Only God knows, in fact, when that will come. And the Apostle Paul, who writes it most succinctly, and really focuses on our intermediate time. He writes this, Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Three advents. Three grand scales. I should say two advents and something in between is a really good way to say it. This three-era focus often makes Advent tricky to preach and really hard to live. People always say, oh, Lent's the hardest time. I don't think so. Everything's pointed toward the cross. There's a single focus. There's not three focuses. There's one. I like Lent. Things get really simple. I wear a lot of black. I look thinner. (laughs) People come up to me in Lent like, boy, you look like you lost weight. (laughs) Become a priest. I mean, that's how you do it. Advent is hard to live, and it's hard to live for Christians. It is. Because there are these three times that we consider. And so we opt often for laying Advent aside altogether and just to celebrate the first Advent. A lot of times as Christians, if we could just be honest, we, we, we chuck the other two times right away. I certainly don't want to think about the sun turning black and the judgment of God. It's Christmas. And we fail to focus on our own lives, our own hearts, as a body, as a community of people. And we opt for the first advent only. 
Well, in addition to highlighting these three grand scales, these, the scale of time, these three grand eras, past, present, and future, our scripture passages give us a crystal clear message on how to live all three right now. Jesus and Isaiah and Paul, they say it best and succinctly. Jesus says this, stay awake. Now, in context, here's what he really is saying. Live in the daylight. Don't live in the nighttime of darkness. Stay awake. Live in the light. That's what he's saying. Stay awake. Don't live in the darkness. Don't be at nighttime. Very succinct. Stay awake. And it... Isaiah goes on and says, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. And Paul says, so then let us cast off the work of darkness and put on the armor of light. Our scriptures tell us how to live in this intermediate time. We are called to cast off darkness by embracing the light. That is really, what, that is really the right way to translate these passages. We are to cast off darkness by embracing the light. Now listen, this may, be, this may blow your mind because a lot of Christians focus on just casting off darkness. That doesn't work. Darkness isn't static. It comes back. It doesn't like to be shined on. Have you ever noticed if you turn a light off in a room, it goes back to being dark? That's because darkness is a... Thing. And if you have ever tried by force of will to be good and cast off darkness alone, your life gets pretty miserable pretty fast. And, and actually, frankly, your life isn't so bad. The people around you really pay for it. <laughs> All right, they really do. We become legalistic and nasty. We demonize people who disagree. I mean, really. Because we're just trying to, by sheer force of will to be good. Good luck. Now, I'm not saying don't cast off darkness. Of course, we just read all three of our scripture authors say that. (coughs) But they say something else. Cast off darkness by embracing the light. You cannot hold on to darkness and hug Jesus at the same time. It is an impossible thing to do. You can't do it. You can't hold on to darkness and hug Jesus. You can't. This is a physical impossibility. Try it sometime. Try to hold on to a static object in your home, something that won't move, and with both arms, embrace. I mean, really hug somebody else. You can't do it. See, the message for Advent is that we cast off darkness by embracing the light. It's both and. And when we embrace the light, we walk in it. We live in it. We see it all around us. We stand against darkness when we embrace light. We call what is true, true, and what is false, false. And so I would want to give you this one thing before we talk of some very practicalities. We're going to talk really practically today about how to embrace light. But before we do, I do want to say one more thing about the darkness. Merry Christmas. Okay. <laughs> Aren't you glad you came to visit? <laughs> For us to embrace the light, we must recognize that there is darkness. And I want to tell you something. This is pretty hard to do this time of year, isn't it? Because most of us would rather just forget about darkness altogether. Right? Now, before I say anything else, I want you to know something about me. I 
love Christmas. In my home, I'm often referred to as King Christmas. And if I'm not, I should be from now on. <laughs> I love Christmas. Jan and I were talking earlier about the Christmas movies we've already watched. No one loves Christmas in this room more than I love Christmas. I love Christmas. Okay? I'm not talking about Christmas here. I'm talking about Advent, though, for a moment. We must recognize that there is darkness, and we must recognize this in, for two very important reasons. If we don't this Advent recognize that there is darkness, we will sentimentalize this season. It will become all candy canes and gumdrops. And we will marginalize those who are suffering. Right? I am a sentimental guy. There's a difference between being sentimental and sentimentalizing something. And I'm talking to Christians. We like to sentimentalize this time of year. We do. So that's one side. You know, I like spectrum. Those of you who haven't seen me preach before, I like the spectrum. One side of not recognizing that there is darkness is that we sentimentalize things. It's all happy and joyful and 24-7, right? Just, and so, and just, until you get so sick of it that by like December 14th, you're like, can Christmas just come already? Like, I'm exhausted. That's one end of the spectrum, an unhealthy end. The other end, the other end is if we don't embrace darkness the way that Jesus asks us to, we demonize those who don't love him. Can you hear me say that? All of a sudden, this becomes a battle language season. And we actually stand against people who need Jesus the most. It becomes very us and them. We demonize those who disagree with us. Can I just say again, I'm not, I've said this a million times up here. I am not terribly offended when people who do not love Jesus act like they don't love Jesus. It doesn't offend me. Of course not. Do you see these two ends of the unhealthy spectrum? So Advent brings us an antidote to these. It really does. The call of the season is to recognize first that we have darkness in our own hearts. This is what our scripture tells us today. Paul simply, now by the way, Paul's not talking to the society of Rome, the culture of Rome. He's not talking to Romans. He's talking to Roman Christians. He's writing to Christians when he says, that we shouldn't walk in drunkenness and not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling or jealousy. We shouldn't make provision for the flesh. We shouldn't try to gratify its desires, right? He's talking to us, those of us who have Jesus. This is recognizing the darkness language by embracing the light. It's the antidote, by the way, to sentimentalizing the season. When we recognize our own need for a Savior, Advent becomes rich and deep. That's the antidote for this over here. It's the healthy place. There's a second. The second way that we recognize this is that all creation is suffering under the weight of sin. When we admit that we have darkness in our own hearts and a need for a Savior, then we can see those who do not know Jesus as a people enslaved in darkness that are in desperate need for a great light. Do you see the difference? That's the way of love. That's what we're called to. We recognize our own darkness. 
and then we can see how others are suffering in darkness. If we skip the darkness part, it's hard to find the light this season. Can you hear that me say that? By skipping the darkness part in our own hearts and in the creation around us. It's hard to find the light. And I'll tell you really what's really, really hard. It's hard to have a real message of light. Nobody's buying it without those two things. Everybody knows what I just said is true. Everybody. So, with those two things in place, then we are able to embrace the light together as a body. We're we're able together to embrace the light of this season. I'm going to give us three very practical ways we're going to do that. Very practical ways, okay? Uh, Just things we are going to do together in our new space here on Park Ave. So first of all is this. We are going to crescendo to Christmas, okay? Crescendo is just a musical term that means the rhythm and the music builds towards something. We're going to crescendo toward Christmas as a church together. Well, what does this mean? Next week on Saturday at our home, we're going to have a quiet day at Tamron, my house. We, we just moved to a new house. Um, we're hoping there'll be a place to sit. There's not right now, but by this week, there should be. And we're going to invite you all over, and we'll have fires. And if you've never been to a quiet day, it goes from 9 to noon, and you can come for 20 minutes or three hours we, or something in between. We're happy to have you for any time. At 9.45, 10.45, and 11.45, we'll gather together to have a little prayer time together, and then you'll go back to your places. And really, the house is completely quiet. We have, we have a fire going both inside and outside. If it's warm enough and you want to go sit outside by the fire, that's good. You can be completely by yourself, find a room, uh, find a bed. Some people take naps during quiet day, have at it. We'd love to have you. We moved to a new home uh, in Bridgeport, but in the Black Rock neighborhood, a single family home. We'd love to have you come. Some of you have been there. We usually get about 10 people. That's great. There'll be some food and drink, and you can just come and go as you please. There'll be instructions for when you enter, but it gives us a morning to start quiet. Can I invite you to some quiet this Advent season? Can we just take a deep breath? It's a way to embrace the light. We see ourselves and we see God and we see one another. When we pause, we turn off the noise for a few minutes. We get settled and centered on him. So we're going to crescendo in that way. We're going to start with quiet. I want you to notice our... I'm really happy that we, get, we have our own space now and we get to do something that has been traditionally done in, throughout church history. We slowly move toward Christmas by adding things to the physical nature. So when you came in, you saw one piece of garland over the foyer door and you came in here and went, where's the rest of the garland? Well, it's not Christmas yet. You should notice as you come each week, there's going to be more. Why is there only one candle lit? As you come, there will be more. I walked by the display case. There's just one nativity scene and some greenery thrown at the bottom. It's a big case, and that nativity scene is Tamara's nativity scene. That'll be going away this week, back to our home, because I didn't ask permission to put it there, but that's what's there. I'm not in trouble because I said it from the front. (laughs) But notice we'll continue to add to that case, and by the time Christmas comes, it will be full. 
physically, we're going to crescendo to Christmas. We're going to, we're going to add in more and more Christmas carols as we go, those, those traditional Christmas songs that you know. We'll add more and more of those, and we'll crescendo to Christmas. And there's another way we're going to crescendo. Join us right after the service, 1145, right here. 1145, by the way, 15 minutes, snow's coming, it's Thanksgiving weekend. So at 1145, we're going to start precisely then and be done in 30 or 45 minutes at the most. We're going to stand, sit right here together, and we're going to pray against human trafficking in Bridgeport and Fairfield County right here. We have room for lots of you. So we're just going to come do that. I have prayer guides. I'll be leading that. We're just going to come right here, 1145, and pray for that. It'll be a quiet time where we just begin to crescendo. And then come on Friday, December 13th in our prayer room, and we'll have another prayer to end human trafficking. Friday the 13th at 9 a.m., right in our prayer room. So we're going to crescendo. These are just a few ways to Christmas. I want to invite us to be formed in the light through Scripture and prayer this Advent season. You'll notice that out on the greeter's table, there are 10 booklets. I can make more, but um, I'll tell you why there's only 10. But there are 10 booklets for us to follow the daily office together. Now, if you're not familiar with the daily office, Anglicans have a tradition where we do morning, at least morning and evening prayer, but we could also add midday and compline. We have a rhythm, a daily rhythm to scripture and prayer together that form us in the light. It's kind of a beautiful thing that a lot of Anglicans, unfortunately, have gotten away from. It really makes us fit beautifully between the Sundays. Everything rolls together. Now, if you pick up that booklet and you do the daily and evening office especially, over two years you will have read the entire Bible. It works together that way in season. That over two years you get the, all, the whole scripture. You've read through the Bible in two years. Great. Now, if you're a one-year Bible person, I'm not. I, I, that gets legal. Frankly, for me, it just gets like, oh, I got to get the Bible read today, right? So I like a little bit more time. But some of us really love the one-year. There's a one-year plan out there, too. You can still just add that to the daily office if, you, if you're a one-year person. That's great. As your priest, as your pastor, and as your friend, I want to encourage you to do the daily office. Let's, let's, do, let's say this. For Advent, let's do it together. Now, I hope it goes on, and you keep doing it, and we'll keep producing those books and putting them out there for each season. But let's be formed in Scripture and prayer together. This is how you embrace the light. See, through Scripture and prayer, sometimes light and darkness get hard to decipher for humans, don't they? Really hard sometimes to tell the difference. It really is. But in Scripture, things come together, and we stay away from sentimentalizing, right, this kind of false light, and we stay away from demonizing this kind of, frankly, false darkness. Through Scripture and prayer, we stay centered in the middle. We embrace the light. And lastly, again, Eugene Peterson's translation, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. There is a physical, there is an actual way then that God asks us to embrace light, and it's twofold. First of all, it's by inviting our neighbors to join us. I love this year about Advent because in former years we haven't had a neighborhood to deal with. Now we've got a neighborhood. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood, and here we are. And so I want you to know that out on the greeter's table today, there is this card. It's an invitation card to three events. It has been mailed to a 1,000 households around this area. So we're formally inviting them to come. But uh, Christmas Eve service is on, of course, Christmas Eve at 530. On December 14th, and I'm going to explain this in just a minute, there's a sing-along. 
And then on Saturday, January 4th, this is the 12th day of Christmas. We're going to have a big party that I hope you'll come to, and we're going to invite our neighbors to join us. And it says here, it's going to be a go tell it on the mountain party. We're going to have food. I'm going to invite people to dress in costume as one of the wise men or a shepherd or like a, a barnyard animal. Not just the kids. The kids aren't here. I'm asking you. There's a picture somewhere of me working at a summer camp and being dressed as a wise man in all toilet paper. So maybe that'll be, um, you know, when I was a teenager. Come, as a, come in costume. And we'll have a special guest that night, D.C. Washington, and he'll be doing some songs. We're going to have a big party here we're to invite people to. We're, gonna, we're going to invite people in this Advent, but we're going to start by going out. So on December 8th, which is not this Sunday, of course, but next Sunday, at, um, what did we say, 5 o'clock, Susan? 4.30. Why don't we do 4.30? We're going to meet here and, and come join us because we're going to take these cards. Several of us are going to go caroling around the neighborhood. We're going to just work the edges of our parking lot here and take this card and invite people back to the 14th, the 24th, and the 12th. Come have time with us. And so that's the vision behind that. We start with the day of caroling out to invite people in. We literally move into the neighborhood to bring people here. That's one way of doing that is to be inviting. And I want to encourage us all that when we think about these, about these events to, first of all, come. They're important. But come as a host, not as a taker. As a giver, we, the people of God who now occupy this building, are going to welcome our neighbors and we're going to be really good hosts to them. So come as a host. Where are you from? Let me get your story. Have some cocoa. Sing a song. It's going to be great. We're going to invite people in. And the other thing that we do in Advent is we recognize that the world is living under darkness. And so we make a concerted effort to engage in justice. And the way that we will be doing that is I would like to just announce, and you will see this start to come in all of our communications, but I'm going to ask you to mark off on your calendars January 11th from 9 to noon in conjunction with two um, Christian organizations, the Underground Connecticut and uh, the Partnership to End Human Trafficking. We are going to begin to work together in the greater Bridgeport area to first be educated and informed. So on, so on January 11th from 9 to noon, there will be a Gather Together event, it's called, that Church of the Apostles is hosting. We are the host of this event in Bridgeport. And we are hosting this event actually up the street at Salem Lutheran Church. It's just right up the street. And the reason is it's hard to host things here on Saturday morning, and this is the best time for it. So we're going to do it right up the street. But it is, we are going to host it in conjunction with these two people. And they're going to come, and they're going to educate us about human trafficking and slavery in Fairfield County. One other thing about darkness that we like to do, we like to pretend that it's somewhere else. We like to pretend that it's somewhere else. We're not going to do that. And so we're inviting churches from all around Bridgeport and all around Fairfield and Trumbull, wherever they want to come from. And we're going to go to Salem Lutheran. There's going to be worship and an education time. We're going to be there. There'll be coffee and donuts to start. We're going to be there. And we want to hear what's going on. We want to be first informed and educated. By the way, this is the second thing we've done to end human trafficking. What's the first? There's not much more darkness than human slavery and sex trafficking. And if we're going to step into that darkness, we better be armed with the light of prayer. 
That makes these things we're doing super important. So the second thing we're going to do is be educated. And then we're going to do one other thing. Two weeks after that event on January 25th, right here from 1230, and this will all be out there, but from 1230 to 3, we're going to come and those same organizations, the Underground and Partnership and Human Trafficking, are going to do a training and they're going to send us out two by two to area businesses that they've, that they've already assembled for us. And we are going to go ask them if they will display for us the poster that has been made by them for people to identify when someone's being humanly trafficked and a hotline that can be called to report that. We're just going to go ask businesses, would you display this? It's a new Connecticut law that they're supposed to. We're not going to go in there armed with the law. We're just going to ask them. Hey, we're from church, and we're wondering, would you be willing? Some will say no. Some will say yes. Some will say, you know, give it to me. i got to ask my manager. Okay. And we'll keep a record of who says yes and who says no. Now, you want to know what my prayer is? Is that we can see an end to human trafficking in Connecticut in my lifetime. This is an endable problem. There are so many things that are gray. This is not gray, it's black and white. There are so many things that are so big, we don't really think there's an ending. This can have an ending. But I want to say this. If we are not armed with the light of Jesus, it will not end. It won't. So I'm calling us to be a people that stand in the darkness as bringers of light and for us together to say that's enough because we live in three different times jesus has come and jesus will come again and we are absolutely going to be his ambassadors of light in between amen, amen. so well, I don't know. Let's be quiet for a minute. You bow your head and close your eyes. I'll watch the time. We offer this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.